Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate AudioCast newsletter. This is the week of May 8, 2023. This is volume 13, issue number 21. I am your host, Dr. M, and we are going to touch on some literature review and different articles that have hit the news science media these days, as well as part two, we'll do a little social media and mothers discussion. So let's get into it. Literature review. Number one, an article by Kopatz v. et al. in 2023 discussing plastics in the blood. What's the story? In the journal Nanomaterials, we see, quote, humans are continuously exposed to polymeric materials such as in textiles, car tires, and packaging. Unfortunately, their breakdown products pollute our environment, leading to widespread contamination with micro and nanoplastics. The blood-brain barrier is an important biological barrier that protects the brain from harmful substances. In our study, we performed short-term uptake studies in mice with orally administered polystyrene micro-nanoparticles. The sizes were anywhere from 9.55 micrometers to 1.14 micrometers, all the way down to 0.293 micrometers. We showed that nano-sized particles, but not the bigger particles, reached the blood-brain barrier and were able to pass through within two hours of gavage. To understand the transport mechanism, we performed coarse-grained molecular dynamic simulations on the interaction of DOPC bilayers with a polystyrene nanoparticle in the presence of and absence of various coronae. We found that the composition of the biomolecular corona surrounding the plastic particles was critical for passage through the blood-brain barrier. Cholesterol molecules enhance the uptake of these contaminants into the membrane of the blood-brain barrier, whereas the protein model inhibited it. These opposing effects could explain the passive transport of these particles into the brain, end quote. For me, this is a really big deal. If these nanoparticles, nanoplastics, are in our brain and immunologically conserve space, then there's a strong possibility that the glial cells, the immune cells that are there, resident, are going to recognize them. They're going to recognize these particles as foreign invaders and mount an innate immune response leading to localized inflammation. They could recognize them adaptively and develop antibodies against them as neoantigens or new protein structures, leading to possible molecular mimicry issues or even worse, true autoimmunity in the brain. Or three, they could begin an inflammatory-based neuronal degradation process that could lead to amyloid or tau plaque formation a la neurodegeneration. This is all hypothetical, but it's truly a frightening possibility for me to think about. So what's the simple answer? Reduce your exposure to plastics in all their forms where you can. A clean environment is a massive net positive for human health. Number two, fascinating study using dogs that can sniff for COVID in children. Without getting into the social side of why this is not a good idea, the fact that dogs could sniff out a case of COVID with a sensitivity of 83% and a specificity of 90% is impressive. It blows the mind that a dog can sniff out a 200 nanometer virion or some metabolic response given off by the child who is sick. The article is by Glazer et al., 2023 in JAMA. So for me, I will make one comment. I do have a vision of a line of children in school, six feet apart with dogs sniffing their ankles randomly sitting down next to the possibly sick child. I wonder what the response is from the other kids who quote unquote aren't looking per the study. Yeah, you know how that means. Uh, the social struggles of childhood did not need help from us causing more division. Alas, as I've said for years, kids are not the problem with this disease. Have the dogs work in nursing homes and elder care facilities and other places where they have a higher impact. Give me a line of 100 kids six feet apart and they're not looking at each other. Forget it. 
Not a possibility. Kids are kids. Number three, brain cancer. A single CT can raise the risk of cancer of the brain in children if the exposure occurs before 22 years of age. The risk is very small at one cancer per 10,000 CT scans of the head and neck. However, if you are that one, that's an issue. Multiple CT scans raise risk even further. The simple answer here is only obtain a head CT when absolutely necessary. That's just straightforward and simple. Plus, it's cheaper not to get them. That was from H-A-U-P-T Man, M-A-N-N, et al. 2023, Hauptman in Lancet Oncology. Number four, a critical part of healing from the mental health problems remains to be movement and exercise. From a journal, JAMA Pediatrics, we see a meta-analysis looking at the association with physical activity and depression symptoms. There is a clear correlation between mood and physical activity. This is most definitely multifactorial in cause and effect. Exercise is a pleiotrophic intervention touching metabolic, hormonal, immune, and neurological actions. Other than nutrition, exercise is the other great lever to pull on for mental health that is relatively controllable. That comes to us from Rekia et al., R-E-C-C-H-I-A, and again in the journal JAMA Pediatrics. Number five, aging as a gut microbiome signature. From the nature article, I mean, excuse me, from the journal Nature Aging. We see, quote, centenarians are an excellent model to study the relationship between the gut microbiome and longevity. To characterize the gut microbiome signatures of aging, we conducted a cross-sectional investigation of 1,575 individuals from Guangxi province of China, including 297 centenarians. Compared to their old adult counterparts, centenarians displayed youth-associated features in the gut microbiome characterized by an overrepresentation of a bacteroides-dominated enterotype, increase in species evenness, enrichment of potentially beneficial bacteroidetes, and depletion of potential pathobionts. Health status stratification in older individuals did not alter the directional trends for these signature comparisons, but revealed more apparent associations in less healthy individuals. Importantly, longitudinal analysis of centenarians across 1.5-year period indicated that the youth-associated gut microbial signatures were enhanced with regard to increased evenness. Reduction in inter-individual variation and stability of bacteroides and the centenarians with low microbial evenness were prone to large microbiome instability during aging. These results together highlight a youth-related aging pattern of the gut microbiome for long-lived individuals, end quote, paying it all. Pretty straightforward what this one's all about. The story of why is likely related to multiple factors. Centenarians tend to come genetically with certain genomic single nucleotide polymorphisms that help them stay alive longer. So they're probably associated with each other familially and they transfer microbes between each other. And somehow over time, when you look at the centenarians that were seen in the studies by um, Dr. But- I mean, Mr. Butner in the uh, research project, he did the Blue Zones, the diets and the lifestyles and the exposure to chemicals, all of those things were in the right order. And so the probability is that most of this data is related to the fact that the combination of genetics, lifestyle, all driving this healthy microbiome. Hard to know, but that's the likely answer. Section two, social media and mothers. From the article, quote, becoming a mother is a significant life transition that leaves many women feeling uncertain about their abilities and seeking answers to questions on topics such as nursing, over-the-counter medication, and sleep training. 
Even the most innocuous new mom queries can be met with condescension and outrage. What? You don't exclusively breastfeed? You'll ruin your baby if you let them cry himself to sleep. New research from Pepperdine University confirms with science what many of us have already experienced or suspected, that the longer women spend on mom-focused social media sites, the higher their stress levels. The culture of intensive motherhood says you need all the experts, says Lauren Amaro, an associate professor of communication at Pepperdine, who conducted recent research on the topic with fellow professors. Moms going into online spaces of thousands of voices weighing in on their choices, and it's overwhelming, end quote. Comes from G-A-R-G-O-N 2022 in the article Wall Street Journal. So for me, this issue is pervasive in our society. We have always had aggressive shamers in our lives for the, since the dawn of time. However, the reach of social media is now at a level whereby the ability to be shamed often and without respect is a major maternal struggling point. The answer is to just stay off. Don't let people weigh in on your opinions what you believe, right? So, you know, for me, I'm a science guy. So my goal in this newsletter, in the office, in any of my discussions is about giving the science and the best knowledge of the day. This is not about shaming. This is not about telling somebody they're wrong. This is about giving the best advice we can today, knowing that some of it might be wrong tomorrow. This is just reality. This is what we have to do. So like breastfeeding, there are data is is the data is completely conclusive that breastfeeding is the best answer. This is not to shame somebody who chooses not to. It's just to state the fact that that's the reality. Okay, these are simple things. So we have to work hard to give best information that we can while not judging somebody. For me, this is part and parcel to mediums, you know, like newsletters that you read, like mine or others, you know, the podcast of mine and others. The bottom line is simple. We want to get trusted information from folks that is not biased as best we can, that is curated well and with limited opinion, right? Medicine as a science is often wrong as new data emerges, right? We've got to keep our eye on the prize of what's best, never shaming. When you feel shamed or stressed, that is a clear indication that maybe it's time for you to get off media that makes you feel so. Or ask yourself the question, what is it about that shame that you feel? Is there a choice that you can make? Is there something you could do differently? Always things to think about. The flip side of this discussion is that we must, as professionals, share data consistently over time as best we can. That's just, that just has to be our job. That in and of itself, you know, sometimes can feel negative, as I stated earlier, but we must stay on our path. Education is key. We have to avoid fear. We have to avoid judgment. We have to do the best we can. Recipe of the week, coconut curry fish. Link as always is in there. Lots and lots of anti-inflammatory herbs and spices in this dish. Get it? Fantastic stuff. Song of the week is a meditation song that I gained from Traver Boehm. It's called Aham Brahmasmi. And the link is in the newsletter. All right, if you are interested in business, there is a link in this week's newsletter to Human-Centered Health Blog. Um, there is a podcast on Spotify by Vic Gatto, G-A-T-T-O, and he and I sat down and talked about work that we're doing in our practice with a clinically integrated network called Children First of North Carolina, where we're trying to help kids get better care. 
using state-mandated guidelines and funds. So if you're interested, give it a whirl. Otherwise, the free thought to spend time with friends cleaning up for those in need is a beautiful way to spend a Saturday. Asking for nothing in return is even better. The act of giving is a blessing to all involved. Give wherever you are and can. And you know what? Visit Long Distance Love Bombs for more inspiration. Keep coming back to that. Just such good stuff. All right, folks, that's it. As always, hug those kids. Have a great day. The information provided in this newsletter is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice and or treatment provided by your physician or other healthcare professional and is not to be used to diagnose and or treat any health issue. The audiocast version of this newsletter does not constitute the development of a provider-patient relationship. Bye.